Hey everyone, welcome to the Arts and Minds podcast. You can catch us on Twitter at Arts and Minds podcast, and you can catch us on Anchor at Arts and Minds podcast, and on Spotify as Arts and Minds podcast. That's a lot of times to say Arts and Minds. Today we talked a little bit with EMA Lux and her makeup art, and what that means for the artistic community as a whole. And where that kind of where that goes, and a little bit about her journey, which is a really interesting conversation, and it broadens out the idea of art and where it goes. And this is a very modern art industry compared to other art artistic endeavors, like such as painting or whatever you know, like fashion design and stuff. Even though that kind of links in with it, this is definitely a newer newer look at at art as a whole and we talked a little bit about that and what it means to be part of that community and some of the endeavors that you're going to meet along the way but mainly we talked a lot about her journey which is very very interesting and i know her personally so that was that was a that was a plus but i just gave her the the hour to talk about herself and talk about what she does you can find her at ema looks on instagram ema looks on twitter and you can find her at www.emalooks.com you can see her website see some of her work she's also worked with a couple of other artists and other instagram people that i'm going to give you the link she'll give you the links to but i'll give you the links to at the end of the podcast so make sure that you that you listen the whole way through also there's a very interesting story in there how i ended up in new york city in greenwich village at backstage at a catwalk surrounded by a bunch of naked women and how that happened if you're interested to find out what the hell happened there make sure you listen the whole way through the podcast thank you so much for your support and have a good day this is episode two and soon, hopefully, we'll have episode three. Enjoy. Here's EMA look. Um, and what, what first? What was the first time you ever found um kind of a love for for makeup and beauty? Hi. Okay. Well, thanks for having me on. Um. My love for makeup came very later in my life, actually. So I went to school, I went to university to become a, an educator of Italian. So I was teaching high school Italian at the time. And um, I actually had a bunch of students who were just kind of out there. Um, when you're a young teacher in the beginning, they, they try to be your friend. They try to um, uh, just see how much they can test you. But one thing I can say that they always were was honest. And, you know, some days I'd come in and my makeup would just be a little bit more than the day before, a little bit more than normal. And I'd always get their comments, ooh, I like this, ooh, looking good, or you're coming in looking nice. And usually it was nothing. And looking back on how much makeup I actually wore, it was very little. Um, but one thing I always had on was a, um, a, like, just some sort of bronzer. And my sister actually was the one who taught me how to put bronzer on it was one of the few things that I actually wore and um so I had I remember it was a particular day that maybe I put a little bit more than normal or I just really you know used a new one or something that the students noticed and I remember a particular student was telling me you know you you do your makeup really nicely like you should go to makeup school you should become a makeup artist and I remember just like laughing it off laughing it off and being like yeah 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 you know they're just they're just gassing me up you know the kids say and um but I I did kind of start getting into it more just on my own and kind of exploring more options and at the time I had no idea about the beauty industry I was totally late to the game um and 
I kind of slowly started looking into schools and I obviously had the summers off being a teacher and usually I worked but I was kind of thinking maybe that was something I could do um, you know in the summer is just explore this other interest that slowly was growing and as someone who was always involved with some sort of performing arts you know in high school and even uh, you know earlier in elementary school I, I love doing drama, I love doing the plays, I loved doing um, any sort of theater. And then I also was in every choir that I was able to be in, women's choir, uh, jazz choir, select choir, everything that I could be in. But I was never into any other sort of art. It was more performing art. So once you go through college, you focus on whatever that, uh, you know, your major is. And for me, it was Italian and, and education. And I kind of lost performing and I tried to get into the performance in, in college, but it was a total different group. I was totally felt like I was just an imposter in that group. And um, I, I found myself, you know, a few years into teaching feeling like, wow, like I really miss all of the performing I did. I miss having like a creative outlet. And so when I started playing around with makeup, I felt like that's where I was getting it because I had never really drawn before. I never painted at this point. I wasn't, and I didn't consider myself an artist in any way. Um, and so when I started playing with makeup and realizing the fun that I could have with that, I was like, wow, finally something other than being an Italian teacher or being Italian, because I am Italian American and it just kind of consumed my life. I wanted something completely separate from that. And so I decided to go to makeup school and that's really where it started. And I went to Chic Makeup School in, in New York City, right by where the World Trade Center is or the Freedom Tower. I'm not sure exactly what it's called now, <laughs> but um, I was right there and I traveled in and out over a, a summer and I became a certified makeup artist. And so that's where it started. I know that was a long explanation. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, so you say that it, you know that that's how you that's how you got into it going back how, how do you think like performing arts developed you as a person or developed you as as an artist coming into this industry well as an educator as a person in general um the performing arts that i did influenced me so much i mean i was really shy in the beginning of high school i was very shy and I wouldn't say that I was shy in the sense that my personality has always kind of been uh, bigger and I'm very talkative and all that, but I've never actually um, been someone that was comfortable performing or comfortable being in front of um, a group of people, but, but the performing arts aspect of that allowed me to be. And um, I, you know, I had to get used to being on stage and I had to get used to talking in front of people and I had to be able to perform and not be nervous. So it, had I not done theater in high school, I don't think I would be who I am today in the sense that I have no problem, you know, um, teaching a group of 30 children. And I think that comes from that. I have no problem teaching a makeup class in front of a bunch of adults i mean i'm i get nervous especially you know in being in front of let's say my fellow educators if i had to but i i can do that now because i went through that and i know that public speaking is a huge huge fear for like most people in the entire world it's like it's right after like death is like public speaking but i never had an issue with that because i did theater so um as a person it developed me as an educator it developed me and as an artist it developed me because i feel like a lot of my social skills came from that experience and, and i feel like i'm as confident as i am now just communicating with people because of that cool so it was it was definitely a transfer 
transferable skill. Do you, do you think if you didn't do performing art that you wouldn't have gone into makeup? Um, I can't say that for sure. I think the performing arts is where I, I feel like I prefer the makeup that is linked to the performing arts. Um, now as I've, I've kind of learned who I am as, as an artist, um, yeah, I definitely feel like, um, the two kind of are connected in my heart, but I don't know if, if, if I wouldn't have found makeup had I not because again I kind of stumbled into it because I had you know students that were just kind of like peaking an interest in something that I had never thought about before um and you know maybe I wouldn't be the same type of artist or the same person but I think um now I kind of try to combine my love for both and I love doing makeup for productive productions even if it's just that you know a high school production of of whatever show so I think they kind of connect now but I don't think they're like relying on each other um when you say that something something just popped into into my head there is that like as a makeup artist how much of it is for you personally like leaving the actual industry of it away from it like how much of it do you feel is you expressing your how much of it is expression for you and how much of it is kind of like you're expressing for somebody else like if you're doing like for instance if you're working for like a makeup store and you're doing makeup there that's obviously part of the store how, how much of it is actually your own artistic ex- expression that is a really good question so i feel like there there are different not different types of artists we're all makeup artists and and i feel like as long as you are trained and 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 it is your passion and you decide to do it you are an artist but um there are people who enjoy helping the everyday client in a store in a retail environment and then there are people who just create at home just just to create and so you're helping somebody you know feel their best and look their best that's ne- that's not necessarily you expressing yourself but it does create it does require talent and then also you know there are those who are strictly i mean they're body painters it's literal art on a body so it just depends um i myself never really preferred the retail aspect so i have never worked in a store in that type of setting but also this isn't my primary profession and this isn't what you know i have to rely on to pay my bills so i'm very fortunate and i'm very privileged to say that i can be choosy with what i choose to involve myself in but when you're an artist and you have to make money and you're self-employed, you kind of have to pick up whatever and, and your knowledge should be able to be, you know, you, can, you should be able to apply it to bridal, to prom, to runway, to costumes, to special events, to anything. Um, so for me, I prefer when I can use it as a form of expression, even if it's not expressing myself, even if I'm just trying to portray a, a character. But you know, just helping someone feel a little bit more confident in themselves or confident in their makeup application or just seeing someone and, you know, just feel and look amazing as they're going to their prom. I mean, that makes it worth it as well and, and gives you that gratification that you need. So I think, I don't know, I feel like it's, it's multi-sided and if you spoke to different artists, you'd get kind of a different experience for what their life is requiring for them right now. You know, I'm very, I have to say like right now with everything that's going on in the world, there are so many artists, so many people I know, so many talented people that do not have a job because of, you know, they, they're not able to work right now. And 
you know, those are the people that that this is their primary profession and this is what makes them money and, and is able, you know, gets them to to put food on the table. So you kind of have to work with whatever you know the possibilities are. But I'm very lucky, and I've never, I, I've never, I've never had to be in that situation because this was always something I did in addition to my other passions, and this was always something that I like taking it on later in life was strictly for enjoyment. And I paid for makeup school; it was not cheap. But I, <laughs> I knew that I wanted, you know, I'm the kind of person that I don't. I don't, I, I don't have any vices that I'm wasting my money on. So I said, why not educate myself in something else that if it brings me money, great. If not, it's just something else that I can do that will bring me happiness. So I kind of balance it out. And and so, yes, I, I do do, um, you know, gigs where I am getting paid. But then there there are times where I'm, I'm just at home, you know, turning myself into a character for the for the sheer love of doing that. So what is so you said there like there's you, you covered a lot of ground there about a lot of different things. Um, but for you personally, what is the part of it that you just because you said like the gratification of like when you you're sending somebody to their wedding or to, to whatever function that they're that they're going to and they look amazing, especially brides on their day, like that would be a sense of like accomplishment. But there's always a difference between for any artist, whether it's dancer or a painter or even a musician there's a sense of <clears throat> accomplishment from getting something right like oh this painting looks right but there's another thing that you can do where it's like it's your own painting that you know isn't appeal that uh, won't appeal to you know a, a wider audience we say um but you know in your heart part it's your own expression and, and you love that you really fall in love with those couple of paintings or or whatever it is whether it's a piece of music or whatever why is the part with that you that you love, you know, the part of it that when you sit down and at your desk and and you're thinking about whatever you're going to do, that, that you plan and you look forward to and you really get those creative juices from. I mean, it, it's just like any other artist and, and to compare it to a painter, you know, you start off with a blank canvas, but when you're done and you look at what you created out of nothing, um, that's the satisfaction. And so whether it's my face or someone else's face, seeing that transformation whether it's just something simple like a very soft bridal look or an entire character and the person is now green like that that look either on their face when they realize how they look or even just stepping back I am when it comes to doing makeup and anyone who's ever gotten their makeup done by me will know like I am just as excited for your face to look the way it does as you are so when when they like you know open up the mirror and take a look at themselves for the first time they're so excited and they're happy which I hope and every time that I do it but then also I'm kind of like you look amazing and it's just because and not that they weren't amazing before but it's just seeing that transformation whether it's subtle or not you know that's it's the same thing as seeing a finished canvas in this in this case case it's just a face or a body um that's the canvas that you're looking at with satisfaction in the end and there are times like any other artist and i know i've been listening to your other you know podcasts where you're kind of like eh i don't really like that I, i'm not satisfied with how that came out i wish i had done this and this but but that's because you you know your worst you are your worst critic but also you know there are times where you, you look back and you're like wow i thought that was amazing at the time and look how much i've grown so it's just kind of 
it's just like any other artist. I, I just think people think makeup artists, oh, you know, with, with influencers, they get such a bad uh, rep, makeup artists in general. But those who are, are properly educated and who are doing this, um, not just on themselves, it, it takes a, a lot of talent and, and they're, they're working with different mediums and different brushes and different skin types. You know, your canvas isn't the same every time. So it is very challenging and there's a there's a definite amount of um, added difficulty for almost for any other art out there. The only only other art that I think that might be harder to do is like graffiti art, primarily illegal, and that would add a certain amount of difficulty to it. But because um, there's like when you're doing runway stuff, and I was lucky enough to be backstage uh, at the at the runway with you once. Um, there, there's there's an immediacy and, and a speed and a brevity that has to be taken. Do you get do you get into a flow of what you're doing when you're dealing with different skin types and you're dealing with different models like one after another after another after another? Is, is there is there a rhythm that you, that you get into? Um, so runway is is very different than any other situation. Um, and I love it. I think runway, probably besides uh, costume makeup, is is my favorite to do. And I think it's almost with runway, the the model is just a model. They are literally the canvas. They don't have any say in anything other than obviously if you were you know hurting them or you obviously have to be aware of them. But oh, the, brush the look that they're yeah exactly like don't, don't stab them in the eye with the brush and say you don't have any you know say in this but the look that you are executing is decided by you know whether it's a designer or the key artist or whoever you're you're doing that look um you're usually doing the same look over and over and over again on completely different faces and with that you're well aware that it's not going to look exactly the same because you're not dealing with the same faces but as long as you have the components there and it looks the way that, you know, for example, if you get a chart or whatever, where they show you this is what each look has to look like. The point on that is, you know, you, they don't, it's not like they choose only blonde models. I mean, I probably, they've probably been done, with it, but they're just choosing models and they're gonna come out and they're gonna come out in different outfits. So you need to make sure that the makeup is as they prefer. And you just, you only have a certain amount of time. So it is very, very quick. And because of that, and because you're, it's not something that's being, it's not like a photographed, you know, it will be photographed, but it's not, you know, you're not doing some sort of styling shoot or anything like that. It, it's runway, it has to stay on the model. It has to look good while that model is walking, you know, down the catwalk or whatever they're doing. It has to look good in the lighting that you have. So you're doing what you're told and you're doing it quickly and you're doing it on a bunch of different models. And the satisfaction there, at least for me, was always like, yes, done, awesome, she looks gorgeous, put her in her outfit, she goes on the runway. And most times you don't see the models actually walk. Like, you don't you don't see them at all because you're <laughs> doing the makeup as they're lining up. Yeah, I, I noticed that. Just to give anyone a, a small amount of perspective of how these things go down, I, I'll give what happened from from my, my perception at the time. It was my first time ever in New York City, and I ended up going to... Um, I run my gig with you, and as far as I know, it, it was it was a benefit. It was a free thing. Well, no, it was probably a charged in the door thing. But you guys were all doing voluntary, and mm-hmm. it, it 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 was in. A, I I love how extra these these things are. It was for New York Fashion Week, which is a very big a very big deal. Um, 
but it was a little bit more conservative initially and I got there early with you and you were tucked away in a corner and cordoned off from everybody else at this master's function and it was it, it started like the beginning of a party as any as any other thing would and I went to get a sandwich and I came back and it was kind of almost in full swing and you were in the middle of working and there was one point where I said thank god you're in that seat because I wouldn't be able to do what you do for the sheer fact that you were just doing this same thing over and over again and I look at the way that I paint and I would be like we'd be still on the first model by the time the thing is over because it would have got wrong and that and scrapped the whole thing there's there's such a speed to it behind the scenes and an elegance to it when you're sitting out there in the chair watching the catwalk come down and previously to this I had no interest in catwalk stuff whatsoever I thought it was complete and utter nonsense Um, and it's like live music you can watch live music on TV you can listen to a live album but when you're there it's, it's a totally different experience and while I was there at one stage I, I walked out I walked out just just for the end of it when you were kind of like packing up and I seen probably one of the coolest things that I, I'd ever seen so this is in this old church I don't know if it's still used as a church or not and the place is packed and all of a sudden the lights dim and the music amps and it's kind of like this blue hue throughout the old cathedral and a bunch of I don't know how they managed this but they, they figured it out and I'm not being you know any anyway presumptuous or racist but it but they got models asian models that looked very very similar in i think they were even all the same height and the same weight and they came out came out in these beautiful floral dresses and they were done kind of, done up kind of on the style of like swans or something and it just took me away and i was totally entranced by this catwalk that was that was that was kind of um going on and coming back up and it just it lost me for a moment the same way that a live concert would would lose people and I think some people sometimes they don't actually know what these things are about they just know that it's happening because I know that that's the way that, that, that I felt when I was watching it like it, it just kind of happened it's something that was always there but you never understood why it was happening uh, can you give a little bit of insight into like why these runways kind of especially with New York Fashion Week because it's so extra it's like it's the most edgiest extra thing that that there is is you can have people coming out like pinatas and a lot of I suppose common folk you know people like me just don't have to feel what way to do it it's for the designers it's not really for for the public right so um yeah and a lot of so i've done a couple new york fashion weeks um since i've started uh, with makeup but most of them and and obviously uh because i was just starting off were you know very beginner artists um you know i wasn't doing makeup for you know dolce gabbana or any of them but um yeah so they are to showcase their work so these are a lot of you know up-and-coming designers um that want to showcase their work and to be able to even do so within the realm of near fashion week to even fall under that label and and have people from all over um, come to see your work. I mean, this is a big deal for any designer. And then being, you know, being involved with it in any way is really just an honor. So there's an entire production of people behind just some people in clothes walking down, and and, and it is to showcase 
you know, just like I'm showing off the faces that I did, well, the designer showing off, you know, their 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 line or their designs, um, but in the, and their fashion. So in a, in a lot of ways, in those ones, and like you say, like it's not Dolce & Gabbana, but it's the same principle that they're showing off. They're showing off the extent of their vision. I, I feel it personally myself. Mm-hmm. They're showing off the extent, like this is how far we can go. This is how creative we can be for this one uh, for this one week in a year that we do do this like this is this is the extra this is the more the it, it brings because a lot of design and even makeup unfortunately is kind of restrained by commercialism and I feel like mm-hmm. this is the one week where it's not because you can't go out and buy this dress that looks like a, I don't know pinata or whatever that they have this one special week where people can let their creative juices fly and it's almost like a miniature renaissance within within its own industry and the kind of the hands come off a little bit, the corporate hands that be kind of come away from it uh, and leave people expressive. Right, and, and I'm not afraid to admit I'm not a fashion person, so I I only know as much as I know, and I only know what my job and my role in that case. And you know, I you were there and you saw there were hair teams and makeup teams, and um, you know, designers and multiple different designers. The the the, the women that came out first were were not from the ones that I worked on, but they did. Their makeup was made to look like swan, you know, wings, black swan wings, I think, if, I, if I'm recalling correctly. So their makeup was something completely different than what I was doing. But most runway makeup is not traditional makeup. It's usually a little bit avant-garde, a little bit out there. And um, I think that's what makes it easier to do so quickly. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just maybe that's just my opinion but because you there's usually like a specific part whether it be the cheeks or the eyes or even the lips that is the focus and you know everything else is just basic making sure that their face is you know proper and most of these models are gorgeous by the way and they barely need any makeup i know I, but not all the time <laughs> I, I i seen all of them naked uh, in a most uncomfortable way <laughs> Because they have no chill whatsoever. They just come in, take all their clothes off, and then sit down, get their makeup done, and put their next outfit on, and back up and around they go again. It was one of the most uncomfortable experiences. From and my first time ever in New York City, I did not think I'd be surrounded by that many naked, beautiful women. People had told me that that, <laughs> that it would happen, but oh, when an Irish guy goes abroad, these things happen. But I was sat in a room, and my poor little reserved Catholic soul, you know, straight out of Ireland into the frying pan, I was just new world of a massive cultural ecosystem and just, just to be sat there and watch everybody run around you know you have like the the, the the fashion people the makeup people the hair people everyone's running around doing this stuff i'm sat on a chair eating um, a chicken parmesan sandwich uh not looking whatsoever attractive i have coffee spilled halfway down down my shirt surrounded by these beautiful women who are all naked and just everyone running around and nobody gives a, a fudge about anything except me sitting there going what's going on why are they why is there naked people can i call my mother and bring me home i'm uncomfortable <laughs> well that's that's something that never i never batted an eye because when I, even in high school i remember we had to do some quick changes where we were literally just changing in the wings of you know of our auditorium so we kind of had these makeshifts obviously high schoolers you got to be careful but this was also a while ago um but we were just like we danced off the stage 
ripped off these dresses and pulled on her next outfit. Nobody was looking at anyone else. Nobody cared about anyone else because they were too busy trying to get to the next scene. So that that definitely was part, you know, it's just part of the performance and nobody, you know, you, you felt uncomfortable, um, but nobody else that was there, you know, even batted an eye. Well, because everybody else who was there was meant to be there. I, I was, of course I was meant <laughs> to be there, but like I wasn't doing anything. I was just sat there um, kind of like observe, taking all this in, uh, like fear and loading in New York City and, and sitting in the chair. But everyone else had, had a role to do. There was one, there was two models that I were talking to that were your models, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. And they were two of the most funniest people. They were two of the first New Yorkers that I ever met. And they were so much fun. Um, and I just sat there talking, because they realized how uncomfortable I was. But they were in the industry and of the industry, and they were people of New York City as well that, that were really nice and kind of calmed me down. Suited my poor Catholic soul. Back, back when that kind of stuff used, used to matter to me. Um, but there, there is like an urgency and such a speed to the whole thing that I pity the person organizing it because that must be such a headache but to, to, to get away from uh, runway for a moment you've done like your own shoots as well and you've done some interesting ones you've done the body painting one which was like flayed skin like as if they, they had no skin and it was like muscle underneath oh yeah that was really early on in, in my experience with makeup that was with Ket Cosmetics and um, I was one of many people working on it. And um, that was more of a learning experience, um, learning to work with the airbrush gun and an airbrush essentially muscle. It, it had to look like someone, that they, they, they were skinned essentially. And um, then they kind of went around and uh, took pictures of them just kind of climbing all over scaffolding around New York City. So that for me, obviously the artist um, that you know the, the cat artists that were involved with that they were way more advanced i mean these are people that have been in the industry industry for decades and decades but they were nice enough to kind of bring a bunch of newer artists um and, and kind of teach them so a lot of what i did was the foundation and then you know the artists from cat kind of went in and put their little finishing touches and then we had a photographer take some photos so that was that was probably one of the coolest things I did but I I'm not afraid to say like I had absolutely no no idea what I was doing at that point you know I had training with the airbrush gun in school but um to to replicate like flesh and muscle and tendons that was definitely something beyond my ability at that point yeah and still now I haven't done something exactly like that so I'd have to say um would require a bit more practice so when you talk there about using the airbrush gun a lot of people, when they think um, of makeup, they think of like the stuff you do in YouTube t- tutorials and you know like influences you. A lot of those people are you know, not shaming them in any way, but because that's their art, that's what they love. They're kind of trained from home, like the self-taught and stuff. Um, so they have they have a limited amount of kind of instruments available to them. But when like when you went to um, Chic Studios, you got to use like airbrush guns and a lot of other instrumentation that maybe people might even know is part of like a, a, a shoot you know can you can you like tell us a little bit about the different things that you'd that, that you would use maybe not on the daily basis that people don't know 
Well, what's what's interesting about airbrush makeup is it's becoming more popular. There's actually like personal airbrush guns, quote unquote, where they're kind of handheld. Um, and the company that I got my airbrush gun, Temp2, they, they make one. They're like little pods. You put your foundation in and you just kind of do your circles. And I think airbrush, uh, you know, airbrush is something that definitely requires practice um, because you're spraying on the paint. It, it gives a very beautiful paint. You're spraying on the foundation, which is like spraying on paint, but it gives a very beautiful finish, but you have to do it um, properly. You can't, first off, you could hurt the person that you're doing if you're not controlling the airflow um, in the right way. And then also if you're not properly, you know, moving the airbrush gun to get that finish, you could have some really, splotchy splatters that occur um the airbrush gun gets stuck you can totally miss the coverage and you can get too close you can be too far away so it there's a whole different skill ability science everything behind airbrush makeup i prefer using the airbrush makeup for costume or for a more artistic looks than let's say a bridal makeup look but there are makeup artists who do use um airbrush for that so it just depends on who you're talking to a lot of these instagram makeup artists and i'm not knocking them just like you said that's a different type of makeup instagram makeup is completely different than you know production makeup or runway makeup or costume makeup or or just you know tv makeup movie makeup that's you're not going to be doing a cut crease if you're doing makeup for law and order svu this is not going to happen so different artists kind of work in different things i've never been one to just prefer the instagram youtube world i never wanted to be an influencer and i don't really listen to influencers i'm not that, that i don't listen to them but i'm not really someone to follow influencers and watch um their reviews of makeup because i know how skewed those reviews can be and i know that they're getting paid to give those reviews and also i want to you know i want to create my own opinion so i'd rather get the product and try it out myself because I know no one's paying me to try it out and say how wonderful it is. So, and a lot of makeup, um, a lot, a lot of it has just become this. This, I think. I, now I came late to the game, but um, everyday people are getting involved with makeup, and everyday people have this passion with makeup, and that's great. But there's a huge difference between you and your everyday makeup enthusiast and like a trained makeup artist who works every day and again I even admit it myself this isn't something that I do every single day this is my passion for me that I do in addition to other things so when you're talking to somebody who you know is like uh, obsessed with makeup on a different level than an artist you're going to get different information from them about what they use and what products they use and what brushes they use and what palettes they prefer because pro makeup you know, it looks different than this average consumer makeup. So, do you think that um, that there's kind of like uh, how can I put it in the most politically correct way possible? Do you think that, that you know Instagram has been uh, obviously it's been a boon for makeup worldwide because and to be honest with you, every art worldwide because you can just you know you can just put things out there for people to see. You think it's kind of hampered the industry in ways, or hampered the, the way that you work in ways. And what effect has people at home doing doing makeup and becoming influencers affected the industry? There's a lot of effects for sure. Um, and again, you know, coming late into it, I had to learn that kind of, 
just by like trial and error and the thing is is that it's great that people love makeup i'm so happy that you know someone like your cousin could get a a a, a palette and it'd be crazy colors and they just decide one day that they want to have a completely pink look or a completely red look like that is wonderful i'm glad that people are doing these fun unique dramatic um instagram looks because it makes people happy and they're expressing themselves and they get to kind of have the style that they want but as far as when it comes to what effects it has you have people posting on instagram that are creating these beautiful looks yes but then they're editing the photos so much that they're creating these unrealistic expectations unrealistic expectations for people who are trying to to actually do that makeup on themselves and then maybe they feel down about themselves that why can't i get it to look like so and so's makeup but also people who then hire makeup artists and expect to be able to look like that and you know a great example would be like everyone wants to look like kim kardashian and have you know the no makeup makeup look that she has yet their their face structure isn't the same and they also again like she is wearing a lot of makeup to achieve that look and then also her photos are completely edited so you're not going to look you know people have pores your skin has pores <laughs> your skin has texture like you are not a barbie doll and that is never you know i cannot perform a miracle no makeup artist can perform a miracle so people think they want a certain look then they'll ask for it and they might even be like oh my god this is too much makeup well that that's the look that you wanted yeah you know so i feel like in that sense that's a struggle that artists have i mean there's so many more things that could be positive and negative that come out of the influencers for sure but one of the things as far as like clients and realistic expectations or even me like i can do a really beautiful makeup look and it might not come through in a photo or i might not have the right lighting or whatever the case may be well i'm not going to spend hours and hours editing it and then putting it out there and it's nothing like the way i did it so i may not be able to showcase something awesome i did at home because i'm not an influencer i'm not going to sit there and, and go out of my way and have this crazy lighting set up to take just one photo right and the, the thing about king kardashian is for anyone that's kind of i suppose there's probably people out there who argue to the death about uh, Kim Kardashian is her photos are edited but so is she you can google right now google images Kim Kardashian on beach photos she wasn't expecting and you see how disproportionate her ass is to the rest like she's heavily augmented that's the most scientific term I can put on it as I was saying that influencers are you know, like they, that you should follow your own you should blaze your own own trail and you've always been very good at doing that, like doing your, your own thing, your own looks, and just going in your, in your own direction. That kind of shows a little bit more the artistry side of it than the industry side of it. Is there anything we say that, that you'd like to do? Like that this, there's a project that you have in mind. Actually, first of all, is there somewhere specifically that you draw inspiration for when you kind of want to go and do your own show or plan your own show or just plan your own look or something where does that come from um so i've actually found through through my love for makeup and through being a makeup artist that one of my favorite things to do is actually plan style and execute shoots now obviously i'm not a photographer and maybe that's something i'll jump into one day as another passion but i really like setting the stage and kind of in that case you know the canvas is no longer just the person's face in the picture it's it's the the feeling or the image that i want um 
you know portrayed through that photograph and and I found that I love doing that so I'm very lucky that I've been able to work with some photographers that have allowed me to have some say because for the most part like I said you're just a makeup artist you just do what they tell you to do with whatever look that they want that's part of the shoot or part of the runway like that's what you do but um I've I found that I really enjoy just kind of styling my own thing and they usually just comes to mind you know I've I've really been wanting to do um you know a shoot that's that pulls on my love for um, Alice in Wonderland. So I don't know where exactly I want to go with that. I have an image in my head. I know I want that particular image to be portrayed. Uh, but I also am like, well, I can I can get more creative with this. It doesn't have to be. It can be. It can kind of go anywhere. I just know that I usually get my influence or my creative juices going based on the things that I like. And so uh, whether that's the art that I like, the books that I read, um, the movies. I, I feel like other art, other people, because you spoke a little bit about, you know, doing what everyone else is doing and not, you know, that that's it's not kind of how I've never really been like that. And I feel like that's why I would never succeed as an influencer or as a YouTube person or even now TikTok, right? TikTok is essentially doing the same thing over and over again. You do a dance, then I do the dance and I try to look cute in it and then I post it. It's TikTok is literally <laughs> copying at what everyone else is doing. Yeah. And, and and everyone does the same dance and everyone does the same funny thing. So um, I, I feel like, unfortunately, that's the whole point of social media right now is to just copy what other people are doing it, but try to look cuter and better in the, in the, in the video or in the image. Um, but when, when I think of like what I want to create, I kind of, my the things I quote unquote copy or the things that come out of, of, of my, you know, of my mind with inspiration is is just whatever art that I'm into. And it's usually not other influencers art. You know, it's it's not another makeup artist's vision. It's it's some sort of image that I have in my own mind. So it's funny you should actually bring it up because I recall a shoot that you did with with the rose being trun. That was your kind of input. You recall that one? Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually that was kind of one of the first shoots that I really started realizing that I was like, wow, I got to have some input in it and I did that. And that shoot I did with um, a, a buddy of mine, his name is Mac, and I wanted to try and find his handle, but now I'm drawing a blank. But um, we, he told me he wanted to do a shoot kind of in like an abandoned house, but then he wanted, oh, sorry, that's Frosty. It's okay, <laughs> he's just having his so input. Hi, Frosty. Yeah, he, he wants water. Was, he? was sleeping all day and nap. <laughs> No, he he's oh, he playing right now. He he was quiet the entire time <laughs> until we started talking. So um, it's K S Mactography, uh, one. So he is on my Instagram. Um, if you want to check out EMA Looks uh, Instagram and see some of the photos I've done with him, but he really wanted um, his idea was to have this glammed up woman in the middle of an abandoned house, and I just kind of liked that idea. And I was like, yes, this is gonna be great. And I brought a a gold intricate mirror, um, kind of like an ornate mirror that I had because I was like this would be perfect if she was looking into a mirror and um and then I you know did her makeup or whatever and we had a rose or flowers I don't remember even how many we had but I thought wouldn't it be great if the the rose was kind of being thrown at the camera and he and and Mac was just is just a wonderful person he was like you know what that sounds great and really it's none of my 
it's not my place to say anything, but when, because we were working together collaboratively, I didn't just do her makeup and leave. I was there for the whole shoot and touching her up and everything. So um, I, I made that comment. We took a picture. And that was probably my favorite picture out of the whole lot. And looking back at the makeup now, I'm like, wow, that was early on in my career, uh, early on in my uh, makeup career. And I was like, wow, I would have done a few things different there. But as far as the shoot and how it came out and that idea, I loved it. And it's one of my favorite photos. And I think that moment literally that photo was where i realized like i really like photography and so here i am doing makeup and i'm so glad i have this skill not just for my own face <laughs> but for like um you know for my experience you know in life to just go through with all experience that i've gotten from doing makeup but now i'm like i want to explore this other option so I, I i don't know when or if but i i kind of feel like doing makeup opened up other artistic outlets that if I jump into great if not um you know we'll just see what life brings me but I've been so lucky with all the experiences with working with the many companies that I've worked with with just choosing to to organize shoots on my own I mean I did a shoot in Ireland while I was there I just kind of feel like the opportunities come when I'm open to them and when I need to take a step back I take a step back but um but yeah so I don't even know where I'm going with that no but um (laughs) Yeah, uh, I re- I remember thinking when I seen that one, I was like, "Wow, this is on a whole other level," and that re- respect my own interest in what can be done with the camera and the makeup. Box, that there is avenues for expression for, and I think the best thing about that shoot was, or the photos that came out of the shoot rather, um, it, it all had an element of mystique about it. There was a, there was a mystery in it, which was interesting to look at, and I. I remember looking at the photos as you sent them to me and saying, uh, it's been a long time since I opened up, because, uh, you know, you normally these things are in magazines and stuff, that I, that I looked at it as a, a makeup image or like just a shoot like that. And I was like, you know, wow, that's, that's interesting to look at. There's mystique there. There's everything that compromises um, great paintings of the likes of um, Goya or whatever that has a mystique and, and an interest to it that that is interesting to look at for long periods of time and you could look back and look at it again you could create a little narrative in your head about what's going on that e- each image invoked a different emotion and that there was that narrative between all, all of these photos and, and that was fantastic and they told me that and I, i've seen as you went along through your career that you've taken this almost directorial approach to how you, how you view these things and it's always been really, really fascinating to see somebody else go. It's always more interesting to see someone else go on an artistic journey than go on your own one because, yeah, your own is great, but then you, it's massively frustrating as well at the same time. Um, yeah, and so you, you worked on that. You also you also set up your, some, some of, of your own shoots, some to just kind of display your work for your website and others kind of a bit more of a passion project? Yeah, um, well, actually, a lot of the shoots I've done have always been collaboratively with other artists. Um, The one shoot that I organized myself was the one that I did in Ireland, and I really um, wanted to just do something in a different country with different people different experiences and that was great and i and i got some wonderful images out of it but i think some of the ones that i um really had the most fun with or had some really beautiful experiences with came from just other artists that were looking for the same thing i did um a fashion uh you know a styled shoot with um 
Anatole ph- photography and also with styled by Shneha, I think her name was. And forgive me if that's wrong. And um, they were just, it was, I don't know if you remember, it was the two women, one was blonde, one was dark haired, and they just had these like fantastical dresses on and this extreme makeup. Um, <laughs> and it was more like an editorial Refresh style. Memory in that one. When was that? Where was that? I think it I think it was in Brooklyn, if I remember correctly, and it was two women and there was just a bunch of different styled dresses. It was mostly it was mostly dresses that this style um that, that they were styled with. And I don't remember the name of the actual designer of the dresses, but um, you know, one of them had a bold uh black smoky eye look with these bold lips and another one had this colorful, kind of funky um look. And those those looks weren't my idea. They were just I had to execute them and they just came out fantastic and and together they they photographed them together they looked like two queens um and I just loved that shoot that was probably one of my favorite shoots as well and then also I, I mean I did so many wonderful things that um you know that were that were just on my own and that I created on my own but then also all the stuff that I was able to do with Kryolan and during Halloween season some of the looks that I did you know that that type of makeup is more of like what my passion is so I try to you know jump around to make sure that I'm getting that even if I'm not styling that because something like a full you know airbrushed look with prosthetics that's that is something that you you have to have the proper tools and the proper uh, materials for that so it when I can do that on my own great but if I can do that as, as part of you know working um, with a company such as Kryolan that's even better so tell me a little bit about Kryolan and like I, I know who they are, but like, explain who, who they are for like someone listening who doesn't know who Krylon is. They're a pretty big deal. Krylon is a makeup company. Um, they are German based, but the store that I worked at was a store that opened up in New York City in the village, Greenwich Village. And um, I think the makeup that they do is more tailored towards theater um, movies and even the drag lifestyle. So um, if you were to watch a show such as Face Off, if you don't know the shows, they kind of work with um, creating these fantastical creatures and they do a lot of things with prosthetics and literally like creating the shapes of, you know, of heads out of, out of um, you know, silicone and, and, and everything. They That show was something that was sponsored by them because a lot of, the makeup that is used in theater and in you know movie productions it comes from that company so I was very lucky that my connection to Chic Studios brought me to work with artists that were working there and they would hire me on freelance for um for special events runway events but also for Halloween which is like my favorite time of year so um I you know I got to have that experience there and being in you know the studio you know they have a downstairs area that you would come in and get your makeup done for Halloween. It was just being surrounded by one amazing, talented people. Um, shout out to everyone that's still there at Cryo in New York City or anyone who I've had experience with there. I was just kind of humbled to be in that room any time I was in that room because I was surrounded by artists that had been, you know, in the industry for way longer than me. Some, you know, that were even new, newer than me. But the talent when I was involved in in that store was just you know, this left me speechless. And I was so lucky to have been almost, you know, mentored by them at times. If I was doing something that, if they were doing something and I wanted to learn from it, I could just go over and just watch them and see how their um, application was. So I had 
a really good experience with Cryolon and I absolutely love every event and every minute I spent in the store. Uh, I, I remember when you were doing that and you were talking about um, different people at your work but every night and um, you seem to be really that uh, that was the, one of the happiest times when you were doing doing what you were doing. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And also being in the Greenwich Village, I mean, that is a predominantly like the drag um, scene in, in Greenwich Village is amazing. So most of the people that would come in were looking for products like TV paint sticks, for example, which is a very, it was like, you know, it's like cake makeup, um, just in a stick form. So they're like a cream based makeup and, and, and we'd have people come in that were new um, to drag or maybe even new to just the gay community or are expressing themselves in the gay community and I would get to see you know maybe not maybe because I don't have personal experience in that but I would see some of my like co-workers at the time just all right well let's go over here see what your shade is and help them out because I did help sell not only did I do makeup there but I did help sell some of the products if I was you know and on downtime so I got to see people come in that were shy and new to this experience and leave with like confidence and products to just be the best version of themselves so that was kind of just an awesome experience so in, in that sense like the, that's where the gratification comes and that's something like with any job like there's certain things that make you step back and say like ah, this is why I'm doing it and I see that in teaching most days I'm like oh my god what did I do why am I here but then it's that one kid who raises his hand and says it correctly and I'm like that's why right there so it's like the same thing you see that person leave and you see them smiling and you're like that that confidence that we helped or that person's first step into something really scary that we made mm. better for them you know, even like a wedding day, like they're going out there and it's the biggest day of their life, but they feel awesome. So we help them do that. So that's why you're just as excited for them to get married. Like, you don't, you don't know the person they're married. You don't know if they, anything about their love, but you're just like, yes, this is so <laughs> exciting. Like you go say, that I must do. Be, uh, that must be a very yeah. heartwarming and interesting experience for someone who's, for instance, uh, possibly new to the gay community in Greenwich Village and that can be uh, the gay people that I do know, like especially if they move from somewhere else into like around Greenwich or they're kind of going out to the social hub of Greenwich Village. That can be an intimidating thing for someone who's, you know, obviously just discovering themselves and going like, okay, well, I, you know, I want to go, I want to be part of this uh, this great bohemian lifestyle that people have here in, in Greenwich Village. And then to walk into a makeup store, and it's not so different to eons ago when people would put on war paints to give themselves that extra edge before they ride out to battle, or, or as a as a kind of like a signature of stature. It is quite primordial in that way to paint oneself. So when someone's coming into you, and you know they're, they're all nervous and stuff, and or whatever is going through their head, I'm not going to pretend that I know. Then to go in there and then almost like adding on a, a layer of protective armor on, on on top of their poor little souls as they as they head out there to adventure to the rest of the through, through the night and into the rest of their lives. That must be it. That's something really special. That's not something that many people get to experience doing that. Like that's crazy. And the same when people someone's getting married and stuff. That's a very big thing. Like that. But what you're saying there, that's something way more acute and important and personal that's insane that must be an amazing thing yeah and I think the people that worked in that store um, 
they they were all just awesome because you can go into other makeup stores and not feel I that have. way. I mean, <laughs> I, there's <laughs> there's jokes about how rude Mac employees can be when you walk in, or you know how super versus how nice a Sephora employee will be when you walk in. I mean, Krylon is kind of like it's just in its own realm, and because of how just different it is, you know, it's like. It's, I kind of feel like it's where all the creatives go. You know, you're you're going there because you need green eyelashes to yeah. go with your look. You know, it, like it's not like it's not like walking into a macro. It's not like walking into a Sephora store. The the opportunities are just. I mean, and you can get gore and blood and prosthetics, and you're really in. It's it's like walking into an art yeah. store. It's just an art store. You know, walking into Max store or a Sephora or an old store, yeah, it's it's a cosmetic store. But when you're in Krylon, for me, I feel like you are literally surrounded. It's like if you walked into Michaels and just stood in front of the paint section and you were just like, yes, all the possibilities, all the different types of paints, all the different brushes. And that's essentially what Krylon is. And of course they do have like the beauty makeup and and those are amazing, amazing too, just for the basic beauty. But um, for me, like, that's what Krylon was. It was just the best place to be for that genuine creative art style makeup. Um, and like, I don't knock anyone else. Like, I like to joke about other companies, but um, that that was really just why I think I liked it so much. I still do, and I and it's like give a shout out to everyone that that worked there with me or still works there. That that was what set it apart. And you could see it in the people who worked there. Like, nobody was ever judgmental. No one made you feel. Like you didn't know what you were talking about. What are you doing in here? Or no one looked at you like you're not even wearing makeup. Like why are you here? Do you, you think know? that's so, because um, it's more creative and less corp- or less kind of um, controlled by a money side of it that it's more appreciative of the creative side of it that people are less elitist. I mean, I think it's a combination of a bunch of different things, but I think especially because the people that are there aren't. They're, they're artists of a different kind and they're people of a different kind you know I had people that I worked with that were gay and that were straight and it didn't matter who you were it was just those people had the personality to be in that kind of store and they knew their audience so they chose people to work there that they knew would be accepting of that I think they did a really good job of that of just those people that were there were welcoming of any kind of people and I think that's with any job we have to be aware of it because when you're hiring somebody at a makeup store like uh let's say mac again you know they're looking for a specific type of employee to match yes to match what their their idea is but if you look at someone like mac there's a reason why they're not really as popular as they used to be they used to be like the number one the only you know the, the head of the whole industry for a very long time and now there's so many different types of makeup and so many different styles you know you look at Kat Von D Kat Von D makeup which I know she changed the name of it now but um Kat Von D makeup was that goth makeup that that people probably you know I know when I was in school goths were like oh weird their makeup is weird their makeup their outfits are weird but here you go we have Kat Von D's line and everything about it is weird and it's awesome it's wonderful and it finally gave those girls that wanted to have green lipstick that wanted to have dark black smoky eye the products with the color payoff that they needed to execute those looks so um i think you know there are 
what what's great about it and again i came late to the game so i wasn't as aware but i learned through my experiences is that now there's like there's a corner for everyone so that's why i don't yeah. i don't feel like we is there any like person thing, here you know? that you've kind of developed since you've gotten into this industry? i think um I think when I look in, when I watch <laughs> I anything know. now, all I do is look at the makeup. <laughs> so it's kind of ruined. It's it's ruined film for me. It's ruined TV shows for me. I'm always like, who was paid to do this? Or oh my god, this is amazing. But um, so I I, I there are people and styles that I admire. I'm not one to like super obsessively go and then like, um, you know research v neil is amazing and she's done amazing like amazing work on a lot of the popular films that i so like so she's an you know, expert at black eye makeup like that. but um there's the pe- <laughs> no no she's not the only one and she's not uh and, and she has she, she is amazing and wonderful but as far as like who i look up to or who i you know try to learn from it's mostly other artists that i'm around and i worked with amazing artists at Krylon, I worked with amazing artists when I was in school, and I worked with Morphe, and I had amazing artists around me all the time. And um, I, I am not afraid. I don't think anyone should be afraid um, to always be open to learning from someone else, whether they've been doing it for ten years or they've been doing it for five minutes. Like you have no idea what you can learn from another person, and I've always been open to that. And I think that's why I've been able to have the experiences that I've had because. I think people recognize that. I don't. I don't think I know everything. I don't think anyone knows everything. And I think I'm always, you know, I've always been open to kind of um, expanding my knowledge, even if it's about something that you know I think I'm good at already, or I think I, I know already. I, there's always more that I can learn or, or or just grow on. So I think I learn and respect the people that are. I learn from and respect the people that are around me. And those are the people that I look up to. You know, I worked with Tim at Krylon. He was amazing. I worked with Kelly, who, who I worked, who I knew from school, um, and, and then and then through Krylon. These are just people that, when I think of the people that I look up to, I think of them and, and all the other artists that I work with that have become kind of like the, the makeup scene, the the real. I don't want to say the Instagram scene, but the the people who are working in New York City as freelance makeup artists. It's much smaller than you would think. You would think it was ginormous and that you wouldn't even know people. But there's so many times where I see someone I know from here, you know, in this corner of my world, like connecting and doing a shoot with somebody that I knew from the other corner of my world. And I had no idea they even knew each other, but somehow they end up crossing paths. So um, like I said, these are people who are working as makeup artists every single day. This is their full time thing. And they're trying to be that they're trying to make it their their only thing so I, I give them a lot of credit and um and i'm lucky that i can you touched on an interesting in, in anyway um, so. a very interesting thing there when you said that you know you're uh, everyone should be willing to learn from people around i think that's very important in there uh, i learned that uh, I, I, probably a while ago now because I, I feel like it was yesterday but it was actually probably about 10 years ago now but um when i first kind of not really when i first i was in, I was playing instruments for quite a long time and one of the people that I always looked up to was a guy a really far out guy called um, Simon Fleury and he had his own band called City Weasel and they were amazing and it was a, it was a metal band and then he'd do like a folk band on the weekend and he'd run another kind of an open mic thing on this day and he was just 
a guitar god because there, there was nothing he couldn't play like you could shout any number up to him he'd do it if you were playing a tune he'd pick up a different instrument and come back as, as start playing it be, playing the back and to it behind you and he was just amazing at, at, at doing this and I always he was definitely a point of reverence for me for a, a lot of the time and one of the guys that he used to play with uh, quite a lot Richie Mack was his name um, and he was a great singer uh, and great uh, musician as well and he's been in a, a more bands than your that's what's on your CVS shopping list he, he's been on he's been in every band that I actually know that I can think of off the top of my head that he was with them at one stage or another <clears throat> um, but one time I'm uh, I'm in work and he's fixing things up at the back he's probably setting up for a gig or something I think and he's taking a break he's having a cigarette and he's just playing around on his on his guitar he's actually playing a song called uh, Heart Attack and Vine by Tom Wade. and I don't know how it came up but he told me he's like oh yeah Simon won't be along today he'll be along later on because he has a guitar lit. and I was like what? what do you mean he has a guitar lit? oh yeah he has a guitar he has like eight or nine uh, different guitar teachers that teach in different styles of guitar every time that I, every, every week and it just blew me away that this person that I look up to that could just play anything literally just throw the number at him he'll, he'll play it for you he'll play it backwards for you still went to get lessons off of teachers and I suppose that shows how juvenile I was at the time that I didn't think he'd need to do that because he was very very good very talented very astute um, and I think it was Richie himself that said like every person that you meet like learn from like see how, how they play and get them to teach you and you teach them and that's the only way to, to, to get along in this industry and to get, to get better and that's just in the music that but well, that it literally comes to any art style that there is whether it's dance painting music uh, and in this case makeup as well very important and it's a great bit of light to learn from everyone around you and not be not shut yourself off to the possibilities because whatever you learn can lead into your next thing and you might know it at the time but if you just stop and say okay maybe I can learn something from this person yeah, or collaborate in some way that we can both find our talents that can lead you into something something else entirely yeah no I think that's um and, and I have to say, like, everyone that I know that is a makeup artist um, has always, I've seen that in a lot of people, you know, they're always willing to learn more and to take more classes. We've always been taught that since we started school. So everybody that I went to school with for makeup was like, you know, never stop learning. I mean, and, and I think that's with anything, but especially with makeup, you know, the there's a lot of changes and trends that go in and out. And so you also have to be aware of it just, just for your own sake, because you need to be able to do whatever is new and, and what people ask for, but also just because there's always something that you can improve on, you know, um, skincare. I, I was just, um, I just signed up to get a, I guess like a copy of the class. I wasn't able to watch it live, um, but a, a skincare class, um, by some amazing, uh, lead artists in New York city. So, you know, choosing, I went out of my way. And luckily right now with everything that's going on with the, the coronavirus, that people are offering a lot of free education just in any sort of uh, realm. But, um, you know, skincare, okay, that's 
skincare is something that is is the number one thing when it comes to makeup is the skincare and making sure that you are doing what your face needs so that way when you go to put anything on your canvas it's going to look the best that it can because if you're not taking care of the skin it doesn't matter what you put on it you're going to see that but um you know i thought you know what it's been a while since i've been in a classroom it's been a while since i've learned from other artists let me sign up for this let me watch it i can this is the perfect time for me to be learning and um and that's something that i have on my list to do and did i already learn about skincare yes of course that's what i went to make a school for to learn but there's always something else i can learn and every teacher is going to teach you something different that's with anything i teach completely different than my colleagues do and even if it's the same language you know we're there's something different to be learned from all your teachers and all the people that you look up to so that's with any artist like you said that they should always be willing to learn and and yeah i'm like i would be the first to say i don't know everything i'll say that even as a teacher when they ask me like oh how do you not know that word well i don't know everything do you know everything about english no do you know everything about everything no so um i think staying humble in that sense is something that all artists should do um and, and people will see that you know obviously i like for you somebody who wants to paint you know you're not painting with the intent every everything that you paint isn't with the intent to sell you know it would be great if you could sell your paintings and make money off of it and and, and just be famous but you're painting because it's your passion so um you know you you, you, you kind of have to keep that in mind that um now i'm like rambling <laughs> talking about you have to keep that in mind that everything you do has to be um you know, you have to be open to learning it. It's not never going to be. <laughs> it's fine. Don't same. worry about it. I'm sorry. I totally um, lost where I was going with that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like just say it's like someone is about? like, I don't know, they're thinking about getting into the industry or they're starting now to get into, into the industry. What, like, where, like, what are some of the fundamentals that are not so much fun to talk about or not, not that creative, like things like budgets and dealing with clients and stuff like that? What kind of advice could you, could you give someone who is literally walking out of the door? right now to set off on this journey um i'd say find a school that like really do your research about the schools um, i did a I, my school was just for makeup my certification just for makeup i didn't want to do hair i still don't have any interest in hair um i don't have any interest in being an esthetician and doing skin and skin stuff like that but um knowing exactly what you want to go for um, and then picking the right school, doing research. That's with anyone who's going to school for anything. Really do your research, find out what your best options are, make sure that it's something that's um, that's affordable because you may not be making that money back that you think in the beginning. You're gonna have to do things that are sometimes just for, I, you talked about this like exposure thing, right? That was your whole um, intro to this podcast. I totally understand like you cannot pay your bills with exposure. In the beginning, um, I did a lot of things that were for exposure and it wasn't so much that I thought I was going to get a following or anything like that. It was because I knew that these were the people that I wanted to be involved with in this community. And did it pay off for me? Well, I'm not a famous makeup artist. That, that was never my goal anyway. But I was able to have some really wonderful experience and get paid for those experiences because I was open to networking. Um, do I think you should be used and abused and just do everything for free? No, you have to be very careful of that, but also be open to those experiences. And by choosing the right school, you may get those experiences through them and and really be able to, um, you know, not 
kind of put yourself in a position where all you're doing is free work because the school should be kind of um that door opening and then you can make the decision so don't be afraid to be open to things work collaboratively with people collaboratively with people find other people that you admire find photographers that you admire find hairstylists that you admire uh, find uh i don't know venues or anything and 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 take initiative to get what you want if you want to do a shoot if you want to do a bridal shoot you don't know a bride no one's hiring you as a bride uh, a bridal makeup artist yet then you create those for yourself and for yourself and i think for me um i do that in the sheer fact that i love doing it but because i do that i'm seen and i have work to show for it um do i think i know the best experience to give someone starting out no but i would say if you're staying true to yourself you'll be fine everyone says that especially like um instagrammers or youtubers like oh just be yourself and everything will come but like you really have to enjoy what you're doing so for me i knew i didn't want to be a bridal makeup artist i didn't want that to be the only thing i did and i didn't allow myself and maybe people would say well that's why you're not you know that's why it's it's not your primary thing and you're not making enough money doing it for it to be the only thing you do maybe if i had just put it into one you know put all my eggs in one basket then i would just be you know that basket would keep refilling but i'm that was never my goal that's not what i want to do so i didn't i didn't do that so if you want to be a makeup artist but you want to have a certain style or niche that you want to stick to then fine put everything you have into that if you're doing it just to do it and just enjoy it and hopefully make some money on the side which is what a lot of people do with their passions with their art then then be open to everything and and don't be afraid to try things and don't be afraid to go out of your way to yeah, to make those good. things happen on your own So that was EMA Looks, and she had some great advice there towards the end for anyone starting out in the industry. You can catch her at emalooks.com. You can see her website and see her work. You can also uh, see her on her Instagram handle, which is at emalooks. You can also catch me on Twitter as the Arts and Minds Podcast. You can listen on Spotify and on Anchor, but you probably already know that because you're already listening. And thank you again for listening the whole way to the end of this. That really means a lot to me for all of you. Um, going forward, I'm not exactly certain who our next guest is going to be, but I will be posting on Twitter and probably Facebook. Facebook and Instagram as well and if you feel like that you know you're an artist of any kind or if you're passionate about something you know hit me up on Twitter or Instagram and we can start something out and we can hopefully record an episode and again this is a platform to give artists an hour to speak about themselves and to see you know what makes them tick and stuff and to provide like Eamon said in the first uh, episode is to provide a small service to all the artists out there I hope everyone's doing really well during these trying times especially during the quarantine and stuff make sure everyone stays safe and keep on listening keep on creating and, and all that again you can reach out to me at the at Arts and Minds podcast on Twitter and going forward we'll have something else I'm going to try to do something else along with this do a couple of bonus episodes maybe I don't know, critique some art that you like and you guys reach out to me with your suggestions. I'd really appreciate that. And honestly, just reach out and tell me what you what you think of the podcast. Tell me if you think it's great. Tell me if you think it's a steaming pile of horse doo-doo. If that's what you want to do, that's totally fine. <laughs> fine as well. Everyone's opinions will be taken in, into account. So again, thank you so much. I hope everyone has a great day. I hope you enjoyed listening to EMA Looks and I hope it was helpful and insightful.